What if healing cancer didn't have to be so overwhelming and confusing? What if you could access a higher level of consciousness to accelerate healing? And what if you had a clear roadmap to follow, a path to lead you out of the fear and uncertainty? Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Deming. As an oncologist who's cared for thousands of patients, let me guide you safely through the fog. My Six Pillars of Healing Cancer workshop series is now available, and it's not too late to join. Choose from a range of powerful workshops, each designed to support your healing journey, covering nutrition, emotional well-being, hydration, physical practices, the mind-body connection, and spirituality. Select only the workshops that align with you, or for a limited time, buy the entire bundle and enjoy significant savings. Don't miss this proven holistic roadmap to clarity and deep inner calm to support your healing process. Check the link in this episode's description to learn more and sign up today. Remember, you've got this. listening to the Born to Heal podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Katie Deming. After two decades of practicing as an oncologist and caring for thousands of patients, I've seen firsthand how our healthcare system places obstacles in your path to true healing. My guests and I will bridge the worlds of Western medicine and alternative healing to help you achieve optimal health. Expect to uncover new insights, share a few laughs, and maybe even shed some tears along the way. But most of all, we'll learn how to heal from within together. So let's dive into today's episode. On today's episode, I'm going to give you an introduction to water and its role in health. And it's not that I'm going to be just talking about the water that we drink, but in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the water that we hold in our body and how that water impacts our health and how the science of water can explain why in healing, we need to focus not just on physical healing, but also on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing as well. So stay tuned. I know you're going to like this episode. In the last two episodes, I shared my story of making the decision to leave Western medicine and then my transition into my new practice. But what I want to share today is really where I'm heading. And I didn't even see this a couple months ago when I launched my practice. I knew that there was this importance for not only physical healing, but also emotional, mental, and spiritual healing when we're dealing with any kind of illness in the body or creating, attempting to create perfect health in the body. But I didn't fully understand the science that unified all of those things together to explain why we need to do those things. I knew that they were important and I knew that they all fit together for this bigger picture. But what I've discovered in the past couple months is that water, the number one element in our body, plays a huge role in explaining the science of why these different aspects of healing are so important and how they're all connected. And so what I want to do on the podcast is I'm going to take you on a journey and I'm a student. So I am learning just like you're learning. And 
So what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to share what I'm learning as I'm learning it. And I want to invite guests on here that we can learn from together. On this first episode, I'm going to lay the foundation to explain some of the things that I'm learning and discovering so that as we bring our next few guests on, it will make sense why we're talking about water so much and why I'm heading in this direction, not only with the podcast, but also with my practice. And so in order to explain how I came upon this information, I'm going to share a little story. And that has to do with the person that I'm dating right now, which is quite personal and interesting. And probably most people will be happy to hear that I'm dating someone since I obviously went through a difficult period getting a divorce, you know, after leaving or as part of the decision to leave my practice. I'm dating someone who is quite fit. So he's in his late fifties. He was a professional cyclist and very, very fit person. And one thing that didn't make sense at all to me was when he explained that he was a professional cyclist until he was 50 or racing professionally and as an amateur and as a master up until age 50. And right around his birthday, when he had turned 50, he had won the Georgia state championships in, you know, one weekend. He had won both the pro crit criterium, the cat category one, and also the master's races. So basically sweeped the event as a 50 year old race, the pro masters and amateur and won all of those races. And then within the same month went on to be diagnosed with heart failure and an ejection fraction of 15%. And I'll explain why this is so just mind boggling for me is that as a doctor, I know that someone with an ejection fraction of 15% is someone who could maybe walk to the front door, but definitely not to the mailbox. It is someone who is completely incapacitated because of their heart failure. And he had that level of heart function and won not only amateur races, but professional cycling races just a month before that diagnosis. And he had no symptoms. The reason why he was diagnosed was because he had an arrhythmia, had had for his whole life. And, you know, his regular doctor who followed him just ordered a yearly EKG to monitor his arrhythmia and had noted that his EKG looked different than the one from the year before and had recommended that he get an echocardiogram. So, you know, he was racing and training and basically went and had that echocardiogram. And when he had it done, he had no symptoms. The only thing that he described was that when he pushed himself 100%, he would feel a little bit short of breath. But who's not going to feel short of breath when they're pushing themselves and racing at that level? But basically, he would notice a little bit of shortness of breath. But when he went in for that echocardiogram, the technician just turned completely ashen and walked out of the room. And the next thing he knew, the cardiologist came in and basically he left that clinic with a defibrillating vest on his chest and basically was told, you're never going to ride a bike again 
let alone race. And from then went on basically to find that he was in heart failure. They're not sure exactly what the cause was, whether it was uh, myocarditis, which could have been an infection of the myocardium that he basically ignored and trained through, but ultimately basically, you know, caused him to retire from uh, riding a bike. And when I heard this story, I was completely confused because someone who's in heart failure would not be racing a bike even at an amateur level, let alone winning professional races. And I basically just chalked it up to like, I don't quite understand this, but I'm not sure. I'm not a cardiologist. And then, you know, now I met him eight years after he had had the heart failure. And by the time that I had met him, he had regained quite a bit of his heart function and was riding a bike again and, and is quite fit. Actually, probably the fittest person that I know, even in his current state, which is with an ejection fraction of 35%. But anyway, I this kind of baffled me. And it wasn't until I went, I was reading something from Tom, Dr. Tom Cowan, and I had happened on his website because of, you know, something, a talk that he had given about um, water in the cells. And I thought it was fascinating. But when I went onto his website, I saw that he had a book about the heart that was called The Cosmic Heart, Human Heart. And the first thing that caught my eye about that was that he said, the heart is not a pump. And I was like, what? I'm like, the heart's definitely a pump. I mean, everything that I've learned about the heart in medical school and as a doctor is that the heart is a pump. But I was also had this story in my mind about Steve where I was like, well, I want to read this book because maybe this can explain why Steve could have been in complete heart failure and still winning and racing or racing bikes and, and winning those races. And so I read this book and basically what the book described was that the heart actually serves as a vortexing function for the blood. So it vortexes the blood, but what really circulates the blood throughout our body is not the heart, but rather what's called the fourth phase of water, which is described by Dr. Pollock out of the University of Washington. And basically this concept is that water doesn't just exist in three phases. It exists in four phases. You know, the three phases that we know of are solid, which is ice, liquid, which is water as we know it, and then steam, which is a vapor. But what Dr. Pollock describes in the fourth phase of water and through his studies is that water also occurs in a gel-like phase or a crystalline-like phase. And that this fourth phase is actually what is responsible. Hey, Conscious Healers, Dr. Katie Deming here. I've created an intimate space where we dive deeper into complex healing topics, where you can get personalized product recommendations and more resources to fuel your conscious healing journey. I'm excited to announce that I've launched the Born to Heal Substack newsletter. You'll receive exclusive information that goes beyond the one hour a week we have here together. Behind the scenes interviews, delicious healing recipes, and on occasion, episodes get a bit too, you know, sciencey. 
so I'll create a handy FAQ for those episodes. Subscribe for free today at katiedemingmd.substack.com or find the link in the episode description and get ready for a weekly infusion of holistic health wisdom. For moving water throughout the circulatory system, this is what Dr. Tom Cowan's book was talking about in the Cosmic Heart, Human Heart, was talking about how the fourth phase of water is what propels the blood throughout our circulatory system. And when I was reading this and thinking about Steve, I was like, okay, now I'm reading something that makes sense to me. And so what it describes is that basically in Dr. Pollock's research about the fourth phase of water, one of the most basic studies was they had, let's just take a large container of water And in there, they put a tube. So let's just say there's a tube in there that's open on either side. So you could imagine almost like a test tube, but it's open on either side. And what they found was that they, when they put this tube in this large bucket of water, the water started to move in one direction through that tube in this larger bucket of water, which made no sense because there's no energy source that we can see for this bucket of water, but somehow the water is moving in one direction through that tube. And what Dr. Pollock's research has shown is that when you have a surface, a hydrophilic surface in water, which basically this tube is creating a hydrophilic surface in the water, the water structures itself along these tubes and basically creates a difference in charge that propels the water, the bulk water, basically the like, you know, liquid form of water through that tube. And so Dr. Tom Cowan's book was describing this, how our circulatory system and the way blood flows through our arteries, capillaries, and veins is actually a result of this structured water, or Dr. Pollock calls it easy water, for easy stands for exclusion zone, but basically it creates this exclusion zone layer of water along the vessels that creates a charge that propels the fluid, or the blood in this case, through those vessels. And I just, the light bulb went off for me where I was like, oh my gosh, this finally makes sense for what I'm seeing, you know, with this person who's in front of me who is extremely fit still has no evidence that I can see of what I would see someone with heart failure, like, you know, basically fluid in their lungs or fluid in their legs. You know, their basically ankles would have fluid pooling there because they're not pumping the blood back up to their heart. So it explained what I was seeing with Steve with this understanding of exclusion zone water or the fourth phase of water. And so I I became kind of fascinated with this. I was like, wow, well, if this is the case for the circulatory system, what else is affected by this structuring of water or this fourth phase of water? And then what I came across was Dr. Tom Cowan has another book called Cancer and the New Biology of Water. And in that book, what he talks about is not only is the fourth phase of water or this easy water responsible for the circulatory system 
it also plays a role in cancer. And specifically, that our cells, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, our cells are 99.9%. The molecules, the percentage of molecules in our cells are 99.9% water. And so the structuring of the water in our cells plays a vital component in the health of our cells and then also in the development of cancer. And this basically, you got to stay with me as I, as I walk through this, but basically our cells, normal metabolism of our cells uses energy, like uses nutrients, carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and basically we convert those nutrients into energy, which is called ATP. And the way that that happens in our cells is through the mitochondria. So the mitochondria are little organs. They're basically like primitive bacteria that are inside our cells that do a process called oxidative phosphorylation and take those nutrients and basically convert them into energy or ATP. And this is something that, you know, if you're talking about weight loss or listening to functional medicine doctors that are talking a lot about the function of our mitochondria and the overall health of our body and a lot about this energy production of the ATP. But what was fascinating that Dr. Tom Cowan talked about in this book was that what's really happening is that, yes, the mitochondria are developed or converting nutrients into ATP. But the reason why the ATP is so important is not that it's just an energy source, but that that ATP is actually responsible for then creating our water in our cells or making the water in our cells structure into this crystalline form that ultimately is the optimal structure of the water in our cells for creating optimal health of the cells. And basically what it does is that when you have this system working correctly, where the mitochondria are functioning properly, you don't have toxins in the cell, you have the appropriate nutrients, the nutrients come in, the mitochondria use those nutrients to create ATP, and the ATP structures the intracellular water. So the water that's in your cells, which we call the cytoplasm. And when you have that proper structuring of the cytoplasmic water, it creates the nice shape that our normal cells have, which is kind of a rounded, normal shape of the cells, which is nice and plump. And it also maintains a charge across the cell membrane. And these two things together, the nice shape of the cell and then the charge across the cell membrane allow our cells to organize themselves in the organs and function properly. So do the proper functionings in those organs. But when you have a breakdown of the system where either you don't have the proper nutrients coming in or there's a breakdown in the way the mitochondria are working or you have toxins in the cell or you're not getting the appropriate energy, basically the cell's are not able to do that normal process of metabolism called oxidative phosphorylation, and you end up having 
anaerobic glycolysis occurring, and it does not require the mitochondria. And basically, the cells start doing fermentation, for lack of a better word. They start using the process of fermentation to turn sugar into ATP, but it is much less efficient. So basically, you're able to produce way, way less ATP from one molecule of glucose to basically use this type of metabolism or fermentation in the cells. And that cancer cells exclusively use this form of metabolism. And because it's so inefficient at creating ATP, and ATP is required for creating this structured water in the cells, what happens is that the cells start to lose shape, they get misshapen, and they lose the charge across the cell membrane. And so the cells start to stick together, kind of clump together and create what we know of as tumors. And that's why tumors, they feel different than normal tissues. So most of you have probably not felt a tumor. I've felt many, many tumors, and I will tell you that they feel hard and dense. And that's because these cells no longer have this nice structured water. They basically have unstructured water in there because they don't have enough ATP to generate that structured water and hold the charge across the cell membrane. And basically, those cells then are starved for energy because they need way, way more glucose, and they can only use glucose to create the ATP. And so they become like a parasite on the body trying to pull glucose from wherever they can just to survive. And when I read this, I my mind was blown. So the, you know, the first part about the circulatory system, like, was just like, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense to me. But when I started to hear this part about cancer, it answered so many questions because it started to help me understand why our diet and why eliminating sugars and refined carbohydrates and getting the energy production in our cells more efficient was so important. So that physical dietary aspect of cancer made so much sense. But then the other piece is that the structuring of the water in our cells is also affected by toxins in our environment. So glyphosate in our soil, which comes from Roundup, right, which is basically in all the soil on the planet where we're growing fruits, that also inhibits this proper structuring. Also, lack of sunlight. So sunlight is one of the ways that is actually fueling these cells. And the other piece is, you know, nutrients. So getting the nutrients, like the antioxidants from our vegetables and our fruits also feed into this system. So it makes sense from a physical perspective. But then the other piece is that from an emotional perspective, our emotions affect the structuring of this water in our cells. Water has memory. And if we are holding negative emotions, that affects the structuring of our cells. And so this is why scientifically our emotions impact the development of cancer or the development of health in our body is because of this intracellular water. And then the other part is our thoughts also impact water because of the memory of the water. And so when I put all this together from reading his book. And I, I have to say that I've read his book three times and I'm an oncologist. So this is really 
complicated and nuanced. But as I read this, I was like, this is really the foundation that helps explain why all of these things are so important. And so what I'm wanting to do on the podcast is I'm wanting to bring these experts on. So you'll be excited to hear that Dr. Jerry Pollack is going to be coming on the podcast. And then I have other guests coming as well to talk about these other aspects of water. But what I'm going to want to do here is bring you on this journey to learn just like I'm learning. So I'm a student and I am so fascinated to learn all of these things that I was never taught in medical school. And in fact, in some ways, I think we were distracted in medical school being taught that cancer is all about the DNA when I think it's actually all about the cytoplasmic water and how we hold the water in our cells. So that's where we're going. There is exciting things coming on this podcast And I'm so excited for you to join me and to learn as I learn. And this is going to evolve. So, you know, as I'm learning, I'm going to shift and share new information. But this is where we're headed. And I cannot wait to get started. I'm so excited for these interviews that are coming up. And I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. So take care and I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining me on Born to Heal. It's been a privilege to share this time with you. And I hope that today's episode has offered you valuable insights on your journey toward optimal health. Please consider subscribing, sharing this podcast with your friends, and leaving us a review. To learn more about how you can work with me, please visit katiedeming.com. You can find additional resources in the episode show notes linked below. And remember to join us next week as we continue to explore more holistic approaches to healing. Until then, this is Dr. Katie Deming reminding you that just like me, you were born to heal.